Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. All right, so this is new. Um, kind of see it in your faces. You're just like, Marcus, the announcements are over. So, <laughs> so just think of this as like one big announcement, you know. So, um, you know, I, I just, Gilbert had contacted me uh, back in November, and he, you know, he's, he's one that just like analyzes like a lot. He analyzes things, and he's, he's watching as I'm doing announcements. He's like, you know, Marcus, you, as you give announcements, it's like you kind of make like the mundane things of announcements a little fun, and just the, I could just see, like, God's just, like, hope and vision for our church, just, even just through the announcement, I'm just like, oh, you know, thank you so much, um, and, and he said, he, he, he left the email with, like, we're looking, I need to fill a preaching position on the 5th of January, would you be interested in preaching, and I just, and I need y'all to, to, to know, like, I, I'm, I'm a music teacher, I teach band, right, and choir, and before that, I was a children's pastor, so I'm like, okay, Gilbert, either these people are going to leave today knowing how to play Mary Had a Little Lamb, <laughs> or they're going to have some snack and a craft, and that is going to be the extent of it. So I told him, you know, like you get those situations where you're just like, oh, you know, yeah, I'll pray, I'll pray about it. You know, you use that Christianese where you're like, yeah, I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to lift that up. And, but I was serious, you know, because this, I, I don't take situations like this lightly, you know, because this is God's word we're talking about up in here. And so we had, um, my small group, we were having a, a prayer night. And during the midst of that prayer night, we, we had separated and had like our time of prayer where we were just on our own and just allowing for the Lord just to kind of speak. And we, um, we were getting toward the end of it because it was, it was a long time of just, just praying and the Lord said, Marcus, you, you need to share your story. And I'm like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> um, but he's very much like, yes, I need you to be more intentional about sharing your faith with people. Because even, you know, as, as, you know, as long as I've been walking with Jesus, there, there are still times where I hesitate and I'm, I'm scared to just share my faith and um, I just really felt compelled and convicted. So long story short, I, I answered Gilbert's email, and um, he, he said, all right, you're on for January the 5th. So that's why the announcements guy is talking to y'all right now, okay? <laughs> so just, just to kind of front load you with that, but we're just going to uh, dive into a, a little bit of, of God's Word, and in the midst of that, I'm just going to share just a little bit about just how I became a Christian and what that looked like in the scope of all of these years that have kind of led up to, you know, today. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 today, and as you get to that, either, you know, you could open your Bible or turn on your Bible or uh, just whatever you need to do to get ready. It's going to be chapter 2 verses 1 through 10, so it's only 10 verses. And as you're getting to that, I'm just going to kind of give you just a little bit of background on what was kind of going on. So the book of Ephesians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. And Paul had experienced this incredible life change when he encountered Jesus uh, on the road to Damascus. And, and Paul was, was, was living foul, y'all. Like, he was, a, he was a gangster back then, you know what I mean? So, so much so that uh, the Lord just, you know, knowing just 
uh, how powerful uh, his work can be done through Paul. He just encountered him, and, and Paul's name, the, this, his name changed, his life changed, and he had done some tremendous work. And so he did a lot of writing of letters to various churches to encourage them, to support them, and to just really bring them to a point of streamlining their faith and living out their faith. And Ephesus is, or was uh, just this, this huge, diverse city. It was a port city, and just about 50 or so temples were in Ephesus that were dedicated to various gods. And so Christianity, uh, the, the, the church of, or the Ephesian church was relatively new, so Christianity in, in, in general was probably not very welcome, and definitely wasn't very prolific at the time. And so this was Paul's opportunity to encourage these people who were new to the faith and to just help them to walk in the, that faith in a world where various gods are worshipped. And it's not so different from how things are today. Uh, just our gods look different. It might be technology. It might be money. And I think you guys kind of catch on to that, right? So um, if you're looking for a great just book to start like a devotion on, Ephesians is, is wonderful for that because it is just just jammed packed, like super dense theology on how to live your life for Jesus. Six chapters, that ain't bad, right? So you can knock that bad boy out just real good. So we're going to be in chapter two of Ephesians, verses one through 10, and we're going to be talking about three things. And for all y'all who are like me, you're type A, you need your fill-ins and all that stuff for your notes, like written down and available. We're just going to put them on the screen right now and just allow for you to have a moment to just write these things down, okay? So we're going to be focusing on three things that Paul is doing in the scope of this letter to the Ephesians. Paul reminds them of their what? Story. Also, there's going to be group participation, so just be prepared for that. (laughs) Paul reminds them also of their Salvation. salvation, right? And then the third thing is that Paul reminds them of their status, okay? And so we're going to be looking at those three things through those 10 verses, and uh, let's, let's just go for it. Now, we're going to put the first part is that Paul reminds them of their story. Now, as I mentioned before, there is going to be some group participation. I am a school teacher, and part of my job is to make sure that students are tracking with me as I'm teaching them Mary had a little lamb because I didn't want them to know that Mary had a dog or something. So just make sure you stay with me, okay? So when we get to the words in yellow, uh, please read that aloud uh, with us, okay? And so um, let's, let's get to it. So Paul reminds them of their stories. So the Ephesian people just are needing a bit of a reminder of just where they've come from, what's, what's happened and brought them to this point in their lives. So uh, the text says, verse 1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and... Very good. Oh my gosh, you guys are the best. Thanks. Um, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit of uh, spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So he kind of reminds the people of Ephesus, like, hey, this, this is what your life was like before. You were living according to your flesh, that the sin that we're all born with 
was governing decisions that you were making. It was affecting the way that you're interacting with people. Um, you're gratifying these cravings, and, and because of this, we were deserving of God's wrath. You know, for all sin and fall short of the glory of God. That's Romans 8.38. This kind of reminds us that our sin separates us from God. And that's what he's pointing out here. He's letting them know, hey, this is where you've come from. And then, so now that he's kind of outlined their story, he reminds them of their salvation. Because that's not the end of the story, amen? Like, God had done something remarkable. We just spent some time singing about that just now. And so, Paul then reminds them of their salvation. And so, starting at verse 4, but because of, oh man, because of his great love for us, amen indeed, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. Oh, let's just pause for a moment, y'all, because I think what happens is we get caught up in like, well, what must I do in order to be saved? And it really is just, really just held up in just our belief in what Jesus has done. And it is as simple as that, is believing in what the tremendous work of God is doing and has done through Jesus and by his grace. Because we don't, we don't deserve his grace, y'all. We bad people. Like, like we, we nasty, y'all. We, we nasty. And yet here he is, just like in the midst of just our sin, just wiping the slate clean. Moving on into verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by that you have been through, and this is not from yourselves, it is the not by works so that no one can boast. He reminds them of their salvation. You know, this is, life before that was, was just sinful living. And again, just gratifying the, the, the needs of the flesh. We're talking about the, allowing the Holy Spirit now to govern our lives and determine the steps that we take. And Paul's reminding them of this. Now that he's, he's giving them this, this reminder of just who they are and what God has done, he really kind of brings it home, and Paul now reminds them of their status, okay? And so now we just get into verse 10, and this is probably, like, like for me, like top three, maybe top two, maybe top one verses for me in the Bible that I really cling on to. Um, and it's verse 10, for we are God's created in Christ Jesus to do, which God prepared for us in advance to do. And it's Paul just telling them who they are in the eyes of God and that because of that identity that they have purpose. Everyone say purpose. purpose. And that's such an important aspect of who we are. I think we can walk along in life just wondering, you know, what's, what's my job? Who am I? And that can be a struggle. That's no simple task. But, but there is a, a simple statement for we are God's handiwork. Some translations say masterpiece. And you think about that, it's like, oh, I'm God's masterpiece. It's like, I know, you know. It's a beautiful truth when you really just land on that for a little bit to say that of all the things that God made, and you think about the expanse of the world 
and the things that have been created by God. You know, you think about, think about the most beautiful thing you've ever seen, the ocean. Um, it, gosh, like I know that captures my attention. The mountains, uh, so many other things. But out of all of those things, people, you, me, we're the most beautiful thing that God had ever created. And I think for some of us, some of us really struggle with, with knowing that because we, we have such a low idea of what our self-worth is. But I'm telling you all, just right there in verse 10, if you're wondering what your worth is, look at verse 10. You're a masterpiece. Amen. You're a masterpiece. So if you came in here today and you were feeling like, no, I'm, I'm worthless, eh. this is telling you what you are. Your identity is found in Jesus. And so we're just really kind of wanting to land with that. And Paul's just empowering the Ephesians with these reminders so that they can kind of move forward now. It's like, all right, well, we're living in this very, very non-Christian society. So what, what then do we do? Um, how do we live and in, in bring uh, Jesus to the community? How do we take this life story that I have, that we have, and bring out change? And so, you know, as I'm reading through this text... I begin to think about my own story. Um, I, I grew up here in the thriving metropolis of Lamore, California, where there were like five stoplights when I was a kid. Um, that was a big deal. Um, if you all remember, Kmart uh, was a thing, RIP. Um, <laughs> there, it, you know, Lamore is a special place, and uh, both of my parents ended up uh, in Lamore. Uh, pretty much for the same reasons. I have a couple of pictures uh, for you uh, to look at, but that's my mom holding me. Um, I have more hair in that picture <laughs> than I currently have. Well, that's my mom, Elsa, um, and she um, is from the Philippines. She's from Alongbo City. Oh, there, hey, there you go. Diba? Okay lang. So there's, uh, that's, my mom uh, still lives here. Uh, she still works here. She's nearing retirement, and I love my mom. Um, and then there's my dad. My dad is uh, Reggie. Um, I'll get, let you guess who I am in that picture. Man, what was I thinking? Can we just address this situation like, I'm wearing like sweats and a green fanny pack. <laughs> and apparently I did ballet because I'm standing in, I'm standing in coupe right now. Um, and, but I'm sorry, it was a troubling time, y'all. I was in the sixth grade. I did not know that I was in Jesus, y'all. So, um, but that's my dad. He's, I mean, look at his face. He's probably like, what is my son wearing? Um, but that's, that's my dad, Reggie. He um, is from Detroit, Michigan. And he, hey, there's a lot of, okay. Um, but yeah, he, he came here via the military, as many of y'all are here for the same reason. And um, same with my mom. Um, met someone in the military, ended up here. So, but yeah, I grew up here with my parents. Uh, very, um, very loving household. You know, my parents did everything that they could to take care of me. Like they, my mom was a manager of me and Ed's Pizza here in town. My dad's a firefighter and paramedic. And uh, they did what they could to just encourage me and support me. And, um, and I grew up with very high expectations, y'all. Like, just, like, academically, um, as a member of the family, lots of chores and things like that. And so, you know, those things were kind of bred within me, like, very early in life. Uh, but I think a bit of a complex kind of developed out of that because I became, like, such a huge people pleaser. And, like, even to this day, like, there is an element of being a people pleaser, uh, as most of you know. Um, 
but I, I really just wanted to make sure that I didn't, I didn't upset people, so I would wrap that around my personal worth. Uh, we grew up, uh, I grew up going to church here in town, and uh, it was very much, um, we were like kind of creasters, you know what I mean? Like Christmas, Easter, with a little bit here and there. Uh, I was very much like, okay, let's go to church, let's get it done, because I got to come home and I got to watch WWF wrestling on Sunday. Like that's just like, that was my jam, okay? I, I grew up acknowledging that God was real, and I believed in God, but I didn't have a relationship with God. Um, and so my belief system was around the idea that you can be a good person, and then someday, you know, you can, you know, be in heaven one day. And that was kind of my, my little theology that I lived my life with. I wasn't trying to be a bad person, never got into drugs, not never got into alcohol or anything like that, but my identity was definitely wrapped in around, like, how I... Uh, pleased others and uh, lived for their approval. So just kind of going on in life with that mentality, uh, some, some tragedy hit our family uh, when I was in high school, and my parents got into some pretty serious fights, and like I remember waking up in the middle of the night to them just like just screaming at each other, and it was just like so, so surreal. And I, I mean, it, it kind of resolved temporarily, but I remember just going to school the next day. I was a junior in high school, and I, I just felt this sense of, man, I really need to talk to somebody. Really need to talk to someone about what's happening, because in my family, we, that was not something that we did. Like, we don't talk about our feelings or anything like that. We didn't at the time. And so uh, I talked to the one person that I knew I could open up to that would allow me just to kind of process that, and that was actually John. John was my high school band director. We have a very long history, John and I, and so uh, it was a mess, and just if it was just my world was kind of spinning, and ultimately um, it, it led to my parents' just divorce. My dad uh, left our family, and um, it was really hard. Um, it really broke my family. It really messed with me mentally and emotionally because I kind of struggled with, well, if you're leaving, that must mean that I'm not worth it to you anymore or my mom's not worth it to you anymore. And so I wrestled with that for a really long time. Um, at that time, there was a, a period of time where actually John and Amy took me into their home for a little bit because um, my parents were like, listen, we, we need to figure stuff out and we don't want you in the house when that's going on. So I stayed with them for a week, and they took me to church. I remember one Sunday, we went to church uh, in, in Fresno, or Clovis, uh, Clovis Hills, and at the time, it was in the gym. I'm like, wait, what? Church in a gym? Like, where's your statue of Jesus? Like, where, where is that? And um, it was a new experience for me. And then uh, worship started, and I was just blown away. Again, I'm, I'm a musician, even at that point, and, and I'm just like, man, they're really like, like this high energy and like people raising their hands. I had never seen that before. Um, the message, like I learned something from the message that I was able to take from and, and utilize in my life. And I remember that walking away from that experience like, huh, that's a different church experience. Huh, okay. So I kind of tucked that away. Went to college, I went to Fresno State, go dogs. And it's, it was, uh, I, I had had my heart set on going to UCLA. I got into UCLA, but just with what was happening with my family, that was just not going to be possible financially. And I look back at it, and I'm just like, man, I could see why God had me stay uh, nearby, because he had done a, a, a tremendous work, as you'll see here in a moment. But um, I had a friend of mine, my second year of college, my sophomore year of college, a good friend of mine that uh, is from here. Some of you may know the Mundy family. 
Um, but Luke Mundy is, uh, was the person I was close to in that family, and he invited me. He said, hey, Marcus, there's a group of us. We're going to have a Bible study. You should totally come. I'm like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll come check it out. I, I, I participate in it, and I, I feel like at that time, um, it's kind of like that first experience of going to a, a different church where, you know, we were sitting in this, this there was a group of college students, right, and just we would start with worship, and I, again, as a musician, I'm just like, man, this is beautiful music, and the words, they were really just impressionable onto my heart, and uh, then we would study the word, and we would have discussions about it, and it really cleared up a lot of stuff for me, because that was just not something that I had ever done, like, we would take a portion of the scripture, we would talk about, hey, this is what it means, this is what I feel it means, this is how I could apply it, and then after that, we would, we would get together and just pray, and I thought that was really cool, because I learned that I wasn't the only hot mess in that room. So, it was a really special time in college, because in, in retrospect, I could see how God was just pouring into me in just little ways, little itty-bitty ways. A tragedy at home gets me to a church that I'd never been before. Go to a college that I didn't think I was supposed to go to, get me into a Bible study with these people and start to see glimpses of who God was. Then I got to um, participate in a college group, the same gr- uh, group of people we went to this church and remember meeting the, 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 the pastor of the uh, college group. His name is Josh Hawley, and I love that man. That man really just did a lot in the way of forming um, just spiritual disciplines in, in my life. And I remember he you know, just, I'm me, you know, I'm crazy. So he's like, you would be a really good greeter. And I'm like, okay, I just stand at the door, you know, like, ah, welcome to church, all of that, you know. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And I really just grabbed on to the fellowship aspect at this college group. And it was just such a a special time. Um, And then I'm just allowing for, for these new experiences to kind of form, like, new thoughts and new beliefs about who God is. And it was really beautiful. And I remember Easter of 2003. It was on uh, April 20th, 2003, I accepted Jesus. So it's always a joke. It's like, yeah, on 420, I accept Jesus. Um, which, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty neat little deal. Because uh, I was definitely not doing what most other folks is doing on uh, April 20th. But it was really a special moment because I just remember in Calvary Chapel, Hanford, um, just the pastor was speaking and there was a song that was singing, uh, that was being sung at the same time. It said, to all who are thirsty, to all who are weak, come to the fountain and dip your heart into the streams of life. Um, Let the pain and the sorrow be washed away and the waves of his mercy as deep cries out to, um, to deep, deep to deep. Um, come, Lord Jesus, come. And I just remember feeling this immense feeling in my heart of just like, Marcus, you're, you're not the sum of, you're, you're not like the sum of your sin, that you are who I made you to be, and I love you. And, and people just started coming down into the altar. They were calling people down to the altar. And what was great is, you know, Luke Mundy was the one who invited me to that very first Bible study, but it was his dad, Pat Mundy, who led me to Christ um, that day. And it was real special um, just to kind of reminisce of, of just all that God had done to lead me to that point. And I think it's important to, to note that when you begin walking with Jesus, it's not all unicorns and fried chicken, y'all. <laughs> it's not 
all like the most glorious things, like everything just falls into place. You're the happiest you've ever been. You're getting all the things that you want in life. All of your prayers are answered the way that you want them to be answered. If anything, the enemy came and attacked even harder. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Some of you may have. You've experienced that kind of spiritual warfare. And so, um, you know, years kind of go by, and I, I just wasn't walking confidently in my identity in Jesus. I was still mad at my dad, y'all. Like, I was mad at my dad. And I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky person, but when it came to him, I'm like, nope, no thank you. I need you to back up off my kitchen for a minute. I think I may have told him that. <laughs> um, but I still harbored that anger, and it wasn't healthy. Uh, I was also really frustrated because, you know, I'm getting older, and all, like, my close friends around me are getting married, they're having kids, and I'm just standing over here like, what about me, though? You know, like, I'm, I'm ready. Um, and, you know, in retrospect, I'm, I was not yet ready, and, and just was not. And also, I was still living, you know, for the approval of other people. Like, that was still governing a lot of my decisions. It was it was just not a healthy place to be. And so even though I, st- I had Christ and I fully believe that I, I acknowledged Christ and who he is uh, in my life, I was still dealing with these things. Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced in your life where like there's something, you know, maybe tragic or difficult that happens, but after it happens, you look back and you see God's hand over it. Have you ever experienced that before? Okay, so... Um, Fast forward to uh, t- about two, uh, two years ago, if you've, if you've been with us at South Valley uh, for the last couple years, you may not know this, but prior to that, I was a member of the praise team, and I sang with the worship team, and it was a really fun experience. Uh, I really love music. My mom sang a lot when I was a kid. My dad was in a rock band, and so music was just just everywhere all the time, cleaning the house. Like, if I hear Journey right now, or if I hear anything like that, like, I'm like, oh, it's time to clean the house, you know, just because that's kind of been, uh, kind of brought to, to um, my context a little bit. So I, um, in the midst of that, I started noticing, it's I'm also a teacher at this time, and so I'm doing a lot of talking, I'm noticing that my voice is not the same. Um, upper register when I was singing, like the upper range of my voice started to go away, um, and it would hurt um, all the time. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not normal, so I'll go see the doctor, and they refer me to an ear, nose, and throat doctor, which I did not even know was a thing, but there is a doctor for your ear, your nose, and your throat. <laughs> you welcome. So <laughs> I go, and they discover that I have, I have vocal nodules or nodes, right? Um, and so basically what those are, they're like calluses on your vocal folds, because when you speak, a uh, little lesson, okay, uh, your vocal folds, when you speak, they vibrate and they cling together, right? So they, they close and they open. What was happening is that they couldn't fully close because there were like these two itty-bitty little bumps, basically, that were preventing them from closing all the way. So he had told me, Marcus, you have nodes. And I'm like, okay, I've heard of those. Uh, I've read about them as a music major. I was told that this could be a thing. And uh, what do I do? What type of medicine do I take? What's going on? It's like, no, you have to go on vocal rest. I'm like, okay. So that means that, you know, I just don't talk for like a couple days. He's like, yeah, 35 days. And y'all know me, man. (laughs) You know me. I'm this, right? I'm this, I'm this. And so that was like, huh, all right, well, um, 
I'm not sure how I'm going to do this, but it was 35 days of no talking, five weeks, not a single word. I mean, I mean, no whispering either. In fact, whispering is actually worse for your voice. So couldn't talk for that, that, that period of time. And it was pretty interesting because VBA was around that time. <laughs> I was not uh, the children's pastor at the time, but um, I had this little whiteboard that I would talk with. Um, and so I had a little name tag, too, that said I'm on vocal rest. Um, and uh, a quick story, actually a little sidebar. Uh, I was in Pismo while I was on vocal rest, and whenever I would have to go and order food, um, because, you know, you take for granted what you used your voice for, y'all, and I became super aware of that. So I, I, what I would do is I, I had my little name tag that said I'm on vocal rest, and then I would write down my order. May I please have strawberry cheesecake ice cream, two scoops, please, thank you. And I, 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 got, I was in Pismo, and the ice cream shop that's next to the donut shop. I think y'all may know what that is. Um, and uh, I'm in line, and I've written my order down, and I go up, and there's this really nice man, uh, older man, and so I showed him, I'm like, so I wait, I'm just like this, and then he looks at me, he's like, oh. And the, the funniest thing being on vocal rest, y'all, is that so many people thought I was deaf. <laughs> and that was so not the case. I so wanted to, I just I so wanted to tell people, I can hear you, dog. Like, <laughs> I just can't talk. Be normal, please. <laughs> But anyway, so he, he looks at me, and he just has his eyes of uh, compassion and sympathy. And um, so he, I, he takes my order, but he puts like a mountain of ice cream. <laughs> I mean, like superior dairy status. <laughs> and, and then I get to end to, to go pay for it, and he's like, <laughs> you know, he's like, don't, don't pay for it. And I'm like, okay. And then, and then the kicker is he reaches into the tip jar, <laughs> and he gives me some money. So I, I'm walking with a whole bunch of ice cream that I'm clearly not going to finish in one sitting and $6.75 in Pismo Beach. So that was the fun part of being on vocal rest is just seeing people respond to that and then learning how to function in the world where you can't use your voice. But it was also tough. It was also tough as someone who's used to using their voice to praise God. There were many times where I stood right over there in worship and I would just weep. I would just weep. The first time was the worst. First time I had vocal rest, it was the worst. It was just like, I, I can't, my initial thoughts were like, I can't worship. And then just, just like nearly immediately, God just washed this this worry away from me. He said, yeah, you can. You can worship with your heart in silence. And I had made the decision from that point then that I was going to really capitalize on this silence to draw near to the heart of God and to help him to allow him, I should say, allow him to really just penetrate my heart in a way that I had never allowed him to before. So I began a, I'd never done the Bible in a year uh, because God speaks to us through his word, you guys. He speaks to us through his word. So there is such tremendous blessing found in spending time in his word. So I made the commitment of reading the Bible 365 days, one, um, every day just reading 
And then I also read uh, another book that I actually had received in college. I had mentioned that college pastor, Josh. He had given me a book called Disciplines of a Godly Man. It's by R. Kent Hughes. And I read that, and there was, um, I still have it, and I would highly encourage all the brothers up in here to read this book. It is, um, it really just helped for me to just kind of get a little bit more um, practical means to, to be able to walk as a man in Christ. And so uh, I came across um, in this chapter of the discipline of integrity, uh, this quote, and we'll put it up on the screen for you too, and it says, sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny for yourself, your family, your church, and your world. And, and God just really just broke me with that because at that point he had revealed to me that that I had an integrity issue with my faith. I had proclaimed Jesus with my lips and had been used to using my voice to just to, even though I may not have necessarily felt it on the inside, I was praising, 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 but that's, there was a disparity between my heart and my actions and what was really happening. So there was an integrity issue, and I was very much a lukewarm Christian. Um, I mean, I just look at different areas of my life in the time, and I, I, mean, I knew that God loved me and forgave me but I wasn't trying to forgive my, my dad for leaving. See what I'm saying? Like, I knew that God forgave me, but I wasn't willing to give that forgiveness. Um, I knew that God had a plan for me, but I was still worried about being single for the rest of my life. Um, I knew that God loved me, but I wasn't walking in his love. I wasn't living with the understanding that my identity is in Christ Jesus and so this process of being silent really just helped me to draw some very important conclusions. And I'm so glad that I spent all that time in, in his word because he was just, I was just allowing God's word just to wash over me, you guys, and just speak truth in such a way that I would not have been able to hear it if I was doing this all the time. I had to be silent before him and allow for him to change what was going on. And he did. Um, I don't want you to walk away from here thinking my dad is like this evil person. Um, we have a great relationship. We text all the time. Uh, he gave me gumbo yesterday, so things are good. You know, like, we are totally great. And I thank God that I have a dad who loves me and a mom who loves me so much because I know that, that even as a teacher, I, I hear all the time about how students are without their parents or they're back and forth between homes. And I have a sensitive spot for that now that I've kind of experienced a bit of that. Um, he also just helped me to surrender my worries because I was so worried about, well, am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to find someone? Well, I'm going to tell y'all, I sure did. <laughs> I sure did. And she is the most beautiful person ever, ever, like inside and out. And like, it's like near nine months of being married, and it's just been so beautiful just to see, like, God teaching me about his heart for me through Deanna. Like, it's just been awesome. Um, yeah, girl. Yeah, how you doing? <laughs> um, he also showed me just that my identity is in him and that who I am is who he says I am, not what someone else says, not what this, this person over here or this person whose approval I really want 
to, to have. That's not who I am. Who I am is who God says that I am. Um, and so that, that's kind of my story. And just as, as God has, has just been continually helping me write that story, um, it's been a, a, a real journey. And I'm a work in progress. I'm still a work in progress. All of y'all are a work in progress. Uh, the Ephesians, the Ephesian Christians, they were in work in progress. And so Paul just kind of brought it to them a little bit um, and said, you know, this is, this is, you're a work in progress. And I just wanted to kind of remind you that the Bible says that you're a special kind of work in progress. And let's revisit that for a moment in verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork. You're his masterpiece. That's how important you are to him. You know, it's, it's 2020, y'all. Isn't that crazy? It is 2020, and, and I don't know what your story is. I don't know what baggage you came here with today. I don't know what um, history you have, but I do know this, and I know that you are God's masterpiece. Out of all the things that he has made, you're the most beautiful and most important thing that he's ever made. And someone needs to hear that today. There's some of y'all in here who need to, to rest in that. Um, and you might think back on that and you're like, no, nah, Marcus, I'm, I'm not a masterpiece. You don't know what sinful habit I have or where I've been, what I've done. You don't know that. And I don't. And I, that's, that's not for me to know. That's between you and the Lord. Um, but I tell you this, God says that you're his, that you are his no matter what. Regardless of what you have walked in, you're his. And by his grace and through your faith in him, your belief in him, if you take that step, there's salvation for you. There's, and that is such a gift. Um, and so we don't want you to walk away today without you, without you acknowledging your story Acknowledging the salvation that's available to you in Christ. In the, even in the midst of whatever sin you've been living in, um, that sin separates us from God, but there's hope. And we just sang about that living hope about 30 minutes ago, right? Man, this time went by fast. Um, and so we want to give you a chance to be able to respond to that. And so in a moment, the praise team is going to come up um, and we're going to do uh, one more song, and then there's going to be a group of people here available to you uh, to just pray with you. And everyone's story in here is, is different. Um, maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Savior before, and whether it was today or another day before where you felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit on your heart leading you to take that step, uh, there's an opportunity today. Uh, maybe you've been walking with Christ, but you've strayed away. You know, it's it's the first church service of the year, and it's typical where people will come back. And if that's you, and you've just walked away from Jesus, but you're looking for just, just a new start in Him, there's an opportunity available for you today. Or maybe God's been calling you to action somehow. Maybe, you know, much like what happened with me, where God was saying, share your story. And I was really kind of hesitant at first, but, um, but I'm glad I did. And there's opportunity for you to take whatever step, whatever limb 
for you to step on, just like Gilbert talked about at the candlelight services. It's, it's an opportunity for you to acknowledge that today. Uh, or maybe you're just tired, man. Like, you have gone through just what seems to be just like this horrific experience, or an, an ongoing just pattern of difficulty, pattern of, of, of pain and anger and worry, and you just need someone to pray with you. Like, there's an opportunity for you to do that today. And as the song is being done today, I just encourage you just to rest in the truth that you are God's handiwork, that above all else, you are who he says you are. Let's, let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to acknowledge your, your presence here today. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your heart for us. We thank you for you giving the ultimate sacrifice through your son Jesus to die on a cross so that if we would believe in him, that we would have life eternal with you. And God, there's just so much in life that really just can tear us down. So much spiritual warfare, so much difficulty. But Father, our prayer is this, that we would just let that fade and let us rest in the truth that is your love for us. And that we may say that we're this or we're that, but God, you say that, that we are yours. Lord, there are hearts in here today that need to take a step. And I pray that, that as this song happens, that they, that they wouldn't worry about who else is in this room, but that they would come forward Lord, as the song is taking place, and that they would just take that step to say, yes, God, I am your masterpiece. And even though I've been tainted by just some of the experiences that I've had, and even though I have sin that has separated me from you, that through faith in you, Lord, I, I give you my life, and I move from here with a sense of hope and a sense of purpose to do the good work that you've prepared for me to do. So God, we offer this time to you right now, and we worship you, we praise you, we acknowledge who you are, and we just thank you for who you are. And we pray all of these things in your name. Amen.